Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Carly. And I'm Izzy. We find answers to all your dog questions so you can get the most out of life with a dog. Welcome to part two of a double episode feature on nutrition with a dog. We do recommend listening to part one first and then tune back into part two. Um, In this episode, we cover many more questions that came directly from our listeners. So enjoy. And we're back. That was a a heavy first half. (laughs) (laughs) It was, but it's all the information that people want to hear. It's the answers that we've been craving. So let's move on to the rapid fire questions. Okay, great. Yes, let's I'm let's to waffle so much. <laughs> no, you're not at all. You're giving us so much good info, Sean. Um, Izzy, you want to kick it yes. off? What should we kick it off with? Um, if you found a dog food that works well, you don't really have any issues. Is it best to just keep them on that same diet for the rest of their life, or is it best to you know every now and again just switch it up? And what kind of time frame that would be? I think it's absolutely fine as long to keep them on it forevermore if it works. Like I said, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, if you're changing all the time, you know, you can cause digestive disturbances and and things, especially if you're changing massively in terms of like kind of macronutrient profile and things. So I'd say, yeah, if, if your dog enjoys it and it works for them, you can keep it on them. We tend to anthropomorphize and kind of think, oh, he must get really bored of this food and stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the fact that, you know, our dog eats other dog's poop in the park. <laughs> they don't have the same, uh, you know, desires for haute cuisine as we do. And, you know, want to experience, you know, all the, you know, all the flavors of the world. They are absolutely fine eating the same food day in, day out. They still wag their tail. They still do the body shake. They still love dinner t- time. Then it's fine to leave them on it. What Great. if they're picky? Like, what if they have gone off their, their usual food? Do you, is it fine to to switch it up then it is but don't create a monster for yourself so i always tell people like don't pander to that if you know our dogs are quite manipulative <laughs> they're good at like you know <laughs> wrapping us around their little toe basically and if uh, you have a picky dog or a picky breed and they do exist the worst thing you can do almost is um is kind of pander to that too much and you know your dog turns its nose up at the meal you put down so then you cook oh and cook some chicken for it because you don't want it to miss a meal <laughs> well obviously then the dog's gonna go no lady i don't want this kibble i want cooked chicken so i'm just gonna hold off and you're gonna cave first so you can create a picky dog just as much as you can inherit one um and yes it's fine if literally if your dog is not eating refusing to eat and is losing weight then you might need to find a more palatable or a different flavor that they like but generally don't worry about it if your dog misses a meal they might be just having a non-hungry day we tend to panic we tend to like gaze into our dog's bowl and say oh my god why aren't you eating and the dog's looking at us going give me some peace like i want to you know (laughs) stop looking at me you're freaking me out (laughs) you didn't see but i ate like three poos in the park yeah exactly i'm I'm so full (laughs) i'm so full of labrador poo right now was delish which is so funny because at work obviously we tell our clients to fast the dogs to come in for surgery and it's like and the end of I the would, world right? i would say about 80 percent of people on the phone are like oh my gosh you know 
do you feed them after surgery? He's going to be so hungry and he's going to be really upset. And I just, I just need to know that he's going to eat or does he not (laughs) eat for two days? And we're like, no, we're not, we're not terrible humans. We'll we'll feed him. It's fine. (laughs) We just don't want him to vomit under (laughs) anesthetic. (laughs) I mean, when people know why they are much more happy about it, they're just like, oh, He's but it's like the so end of the world if the dog misses yeah. a meal. And it's like, if your dog is a healthy weight, or let's face it, most are a bit overweight, it won't do them any harm to miss <laughs> a meal occasionally. Yeah. They're fine. They're sort of hardwired. And this is the thing, like they're hardwired instinctively to just not know where their next meal is coming from and eat whenever they're given food. That's why so many of them are overweight. And also that that feeding bond, you know, feeding our pets, feeding is love. Like that's a, a big part of the nurturing, caring relationship we have with our pets. So it's a very, very powerful um, stimulus for pet owners. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to withhold food. No, he'll hate me. Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but just think how much he'll love you when he actually does get the food. <laughs> yeah, treat him mean, keep him keen, you know. <laughs> um, I do not advocate starving your dog to get more attention from your dog. I just want to make a disclaimer right now in case anyone <laughs> reports me to the board. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase. I love it. Um, Freedom mean keeping keen. Yeah, I hadn't oh, heard that. Oh, Carly, that's why, you that's haven't dated say, for years. That's why. Right? <laughs> that's what they say to girls. You have to treat the guys mean, so you keep them keen. Yeah. Oh, I figure. I th- thought it would have been the opposite. Like the guys, you know, the whole like negging thing. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it, was that it probably goes both ways. Yeah, that's probably why I, English people are so mean. <laughs> just constantly trying to get approval from people by treating them badly (laughs) you guys aren't known for being mean you guys are nice i'm i'm irish so i'm not in that category (laughs) no yeah what are you known for sean what are the irish being happy and friendly and happy and lively and you know occasionally liking a drink (laughs) (laughs) um okay this is supposed to be rapid fire we're still going here um next question so if you're looking, we've kind of talked about high quality um, kibble. Yeah. If someone wants to f- make sure that they are feeding a good high quality kibble to their dog, what should they look for as far as the brand or on the packaging ingredients? Like, how do you know it's a good one? Um, yep. So um, ingredient transparency is good. Um, so listing the ingredients and having um, the order of ingredients is also important. So if there is, you know, the first, second, third ingredient on an ingredient composition should be, you know, your meat protein and um, maybe a a good quality um, grain or cereal if it is a grain-based diet. Um, What you shouldn't have is ingredient splitting where maybe it looks like the grain elements are further down the list, but actually they're splitting up into like wheat, wheat gluten meal, um, whole grain wheat, Mm da-da-da-da-da, or, you know, maize, maize gluten, um, high fructose corn syrup, all these things split out. And there's basically, you know, loads and loads and loads of different ingredients and, and very complex words and things. You want to go for um, a brand that celebrates quite a simple and wholesome and nutritious list of ingredients, starting with the meat content first as the kind of, as the bulk. Um, okay. In terms of the brand, you want to check their credentials and make sure that they have a qualified animal nutritionist and they talk about the fact that they, they are have a qualified animal nutritionist, anyone can set up a pet food brand and say, we're a new pet food company. And here's our philosophy, which we learned on a dog Facebook forum and we think is cool. 
and here's our new product that we got funding to launch and it's great and we've got four recipes and it's they're suitable for all dogs it's like well no actually that is not going to be optimized to every single dog's needs and every life stage of dog so just make sure that they have breed specific life life stage specific nutrition health support certain health conditions and they sound like they know what they're talking about when it comes to nutrition they're not just jumping on one of those fads we talked about Okay. So it's kind of like whole ingredients and the the certifications as far as, is there like a certain like? Yeah. So like, in the US, it's um, AFCO, um, A-A-F-C-O um, accreditation. Um, and I can't remember what the other one is. Over here in the UK, it's um, PFMA, so Pet Food Manufacturing Association. And that uh, pet food brand conforms to FEDIAF guidelines, which is the European Federation for Pet Food. So you want to make sure that they are accredited with the highest kind of um, kind of regulatory bodies in terms of their nutritional balance and safety as well. Okay. And you mentioned how they, sorry, <laughs> you mentioned how they had the different life stages as well. So does that mean, because if they just, if they just create one food for every single life stage, then that's not going to suit like what you were saying, puppies yeah. or the calcium phosphorus, I'm assuming older dogs need joint support. Giant breeds grow much slower than smaller breeds, for example. So they need that perfect nutritional balance all along the way at a slower rate. Um, So you want to go for, you know, a one size fits all approach is not a good indicator of quality or nutritional knowledge. Let's put it that way. Okay. And then uh, on the ingredient list, if they add vitamins and minerals, that's a good thing right to me yeah to me that's fine that's complete and balanced um what they should be hopefully doing is um that it's kind of natural non-synthetic forms so they're using natural minerals and um and vitamin sources and things rather than synthetic forms so you if you know i i would say that an indicator of quality is um that they make the claim of no artificial flavors preservatives or colors that's probably good as well okay sorry go ahead izzy um, so what are a few things that is that are commonly fed to dogs but are actually quite bad for them? Like ingredients and or Treats. foods. <laughs> um, well, here's where the bones topic comes up, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, bones are, are a big trend and um, we've, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, I've fed bones to my dogs for generations. I've always had dogs growing up and we always gave them bones. Um, a bone isn't doesn't cause a problem until it causes a problem. And there are benefits to feeding bones to dogs. Number one, it's enrichment. They enjoy it. They love getting stuck into a big meaty bone and um, chewing it and getting the marrow out and getting all the little bits of meat and connective tissue off it. So it's a great occupier as well. You know, it can be convenient for us to give to our dog um, if they're so into it. Um, but there can be some hygiene issues, especially if the bone's been around a long time. Um, I had some clients who used to keep huskies and they used to feed them uh, raw pig's heads, whole pig's heads on the kitchen oh, floor. Oh, The uh-huh. dogs enjoyed it, but pretty <laughs> gross, if you ask yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so there's an enjoyment element, but there is a risk that, especially if we're feeding um, cooked bones, they can splinter, so never, ever cooked. Um, and even if they're raw, that a dog can chip off um, parts of that bone. And if they're silly... Or if they're a Labrador, <laughs> they swallow it whole and, and then you end up with, you know, surgery to retrieve it or a blocked or perforated gut or something. So there are risks involved with bones. One of the benefits that the kind of a lot of pro bone feeders uh, talk about is that bones help clean the teeth. 
Um, and this is one thing that you'll hear with raw feeders as well. You know, um, it's better for their dentition. It's better for their dental hygiene. Um, actually, the studies that have been done on that say that cosmetically, it may look better that there's not that brown mineralized calculus or plaque uh, or tartar buildup on the teeth because the abrasive action of chewing bones kind of chips off or abrades that, that tartar. But the site of disease for periodontal disease in dogs is below the gum line where we can't see. And actually chewing bones doesn't get rid of the plaque and bacteria below the gum line underneath where actually all the inflammation is being caused and periodontal disease is happening. The only thing that will get rid of that is either daily brushing our dog's teeth, which it's fine if you don't want to do or your dog won't tolerate. The only other thing that will get rid of that is regular dental cleanings, um, scale and polish at the vet under anesthetic, where you can get in and get rid of that um, plaque and calculus under the gum line. So bones may be kind of purported to be brilliant and, and great for dental hygiene, but actually the facts say, say differently. And also, finally, chewing bones can fracture the teeth. You get a lot of slab fractures, mm -hmm. especially of the, the molars, the carnassial tooth in the back of the mouth. With the pressure that dogs will apply to a bone, the tooth is often the thing to give first um, rather than the big bone. Other things like treats that, that people give dogs that can cause problems. Rawhide um, is probably not the best. There's definitely safer alternatives. It's a very long-standing and traditional thing to give to our dogs. It's been around a long time, but it's quite indigestible. Um, and if dogs snap off big bits and, and swallow them whole, they can cause problems as well um, with blockages. Um, other things that people give dogs, um, I guess just human foods and, and treats, either giving foods that are you know, toxic or harmful to dogs that we, have, we tolerate fine, but are really, really bad news for dogs. So most people know that chocolate is toxic for dogs, for example, but um, people don't know maybe that grapes and raisins can cause a reaction in dogs. And one, some, one dog could have kidney failure from eating two grapes. Another dog could eat 20 grapes and be absolutely fine. So we don't actually know very well how that toxicity works. But there's a lot of human foods that, that can cause problems for dogs. Blue cheese, um, things like macadamia nuts, certain things that you just wouldn't think oh. of. And you might just give your dog a little bit of your, whatever you're eating yourself mm -hmm. and could cause, cause issues. Um, but the main thing I think that people shouldn't be feeding dogs is um, really fatty foods or highly calorific foods because we underestimate the amount of calories in relation to their body size. And we forget that, you know, if we have a small dog that's 10 times smaller than us, then it's sort of the equivalent of 10 times the amount of calories in giving them a little small treat. Um, you know, giving a dog, you know, a little bit of cheese or something might be like us eating a cheeseburger for example, in terms of calories. So we yeah. really need to be careful of how much we feed. And we do tend to just passively feed our dogs quite a lot. And then we don't subtract that, that amount of food from their kind of daily ration. So we end up overfeeding them day by day and they, their weight creeps up. Yeah, I control Arthur's food quite a lot because I'm so he's a corgi, so I'm so scared he's oh, going to yeah. get fat. Mm, and yeah. the only treats he gets are carrots and cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carrots are great. Green beans, things of that with a crunch. They like the texture. Yeah. Um, there's a sweetness to them as well. Dogs quite like. Um, so I'm a big fan of carrots and green beans. Cucumber is good too. Yeah, I don't know why he, he'll also eat spinach, but that's good for him. One. Yeah, he's well, corgis are corgis are practically rabbits anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with those big ears and little yeah. short legs and cool. hopping yeah. around, hopping around. Yeah. Yeah, from behind, he does actually look like a little rabbit. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
an omnivore. Exactly. Through and through. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for him. Lupin will not eat a vegetable. Neither will no. Albie, actually. Yeah, I gave him a piece of lettuce last night and it had like dressing on it. So I was like, even Lupin will kind of just eat that if it has some kind of sauce on it. And Albie was just, he just snacking on it for like five minutes, not knowing what to do. It was just in his mouth, like, (laughs) (laughs) he he eventually kind of just like let it fall out and just looked at me like, why would you do this to me? You're (laughs) a crazy woman. (laughs) Um, Okay. So next question, speaking of food that is potentially unhealthy and treating our dogs, what makes a good dog treat? When to treat? How much is too much? I think this is where a lot of dogs get obese. And even if you're like, I never feed them human food, they can even get pancreatitis, I think, from some treats if it's like too high in, in fat and stuff, right? So is there yeah. a standard-ish? Yeah. Um, first of all, I would ask the question, why are you treating? You know, do we need to treat our dogs so much with food? Um, dogs want to be around us. And they like attention and they like mental stimulation and things to do. So instead of just, you know, oh, I haven't interacted with my dog in an hour, I'll go to the treats cupboard and I'll give him a treat and he'll be super happy and it'll be a great fun interaction. Why not play with them? Why not go for an extra walk? Why not teach them a new trick? Why not do stuff with them? So actually, we don't have to have in our mindset all the time of like, oh, I'm a really good dog owner because I like give him his favorite treats six times a day. Um The other thing I would say is um, if you are treating for training or you just want to like reinforce certain behaviors or, you know, give your dog a treat, you can also take some of their food out of their daily portion and assign that to your treats ration for the day and bring it with you in a little bag on your walks and use that. And that way your dog's kind of working for their daily calorie allowance and things. So a treat doesn't have to be this really calorific, um, really flavorsome different thing that they're not that they don't get all the time it can just be part of their food ration and you can use that as treats i think you want to steer clear of again really overly kind of um, processed things or with lots of artificial flavors and colors and, and stuff like that um but the biggest thing with treating is just to be mindful of the calorie content and i get asked all the time you know how much i don't know how much i should feed or how many treats can i give my dog my answer is, I don't know, because I don't know your dog and all their <laughs> variables and how much exercise they're doing and what their weight and body condition is. But what I do say to people is, get hands-on and learn how to body condition score your own dog. And the body condition scoring system is a way to, to basically objectively score whether your dog is underweight, ideal condition, or overweight. And you assess three key areas, their ribs, their belly, and their waist by getting hands-on and having a feel of, of certain points in their body and, and looking at it. Um, and that way you can say, okay, well, the amount I'm treating is definitely a little too much because my dog is now over-conditioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you can't give like a blanket rule of how many treats should a corgi get or how many treats should an American foxhound get? They're all individuals. They have individual lifestyles and different diets and different metabolisms and things. So using the body condition score to say, be honest with yourself, my dog's a little bit overweight. I need to tell all the family to stop treating this month or there is an allowance and it's strict. And once that's gone, no more. But examine why you're treating in the first place. If it's just passively feeding your dog for something to do or to get them off your back, then I think your dog would probably enjoy um, some interaction more. Boom. There you go, everyone. I love it. (laughs) 
I think it's, so, a, it's a bit tough love, but yeah. it, it, it's needed sometimes. It is. It's so needed. I think, especially, I'm going to make a generalization of in the US, a lot of people <laughs> are like, oh. Fat. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, I didn't say it. <laughs> the English included. person said it. <laughs> I, to be fair, England's gang up there too. Yeah. We're packing on the pounds. <laughs> um, in the US, I think there is this whole thing of like, oh no, he's just a big boy about like a really overweight lab or something. They're just like, yeah. oh, he's just like muscle. He's thick. And you're just like, no, bro. He's chunky. Fat. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, thick. Yeah. <laughs> he's thick. Um, she got a booty. <laughs> it's so true. It's like, so you have like a lab or something that's just overweight, not like obese, but like overweight. And that breed, that lab would probably be so much happier getting love or just as happy getting love rather than food. We all know that they're very food motivated as a breed in general, but they'd probably just be just as happy if you did like a sit and like, oh my God, good boy. You're so cute. Like that kind of thing. And they'll Mm -hmm. be like, oh yeah. And the same satisfaction or maybe some training with some you know, exciting, good jobs and like a kibble piece, especially because I don't think there's some breeds that I think are a little picky or there's some dogs that are more picky, like we've talked about earlier, where you give them a kibble and they're like, nah, but like I want but that might be that they're used to getting a bit of roast chicken. And then yes. they're like, oh, I normally get roast chicken for this. I mean, they're they're clever. They do link their behavior and actions and our behavior and actions. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they if they do turn their nose up at a kibble the first time you give it, then well, sorry, there's no roast chicken today. You know, yeah. we can, we we are in charge. <laughs> we, are we? Are we though? <laughs> <laughs> News alert! We are in charge. <laughs> you can also. I haven't tried them, but there's like a Fitbit for dogs now. Mm, there's a few. Yeah. 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 I don't know if they actually work or if it's reliable, but they work. If you like, really I mean, want to know how much you should give your dog, knowing how much you've done and whether you've had a, a bad day or not, but you know that yourself. I mean, That's then true. there's again where like you're kind of getting ahead of yourself. You can start with body condition scoring, and you can be like, "Yeah, my dog's chunky, mm-hmm. and he's chunkier this month than he was last month because I've been busier at work and I haven't been getting out to exercise him as much. So therefore I need to reduce his daily ration a little bit, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, or cut down on the treats or tell my dad to stop giving him butter toast every morning. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was, we had, uh, we're living with the in-laws right now. Um, and while we look for a house and my father-in-law bless his heart, the cat has trained him that anytime he comes into the kitchen, she follows right after and is like, meow, 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 meow. And just really annoying. And so he just comes in and drops like 10 treats on the ground. Like, here you go, kitty. And then walks away. She'll eat like five of them. And then Lupin will come in and eat the rest of them. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, first of all, this is his allergies. Second, like, I don't want him to be eating things. And I couldn't figure out. I was like, why is his allergies flaring up? And then I would see him just like scavenging around the kitchen. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly what's happening. So I was like, you need to (laughs) hand her. You need to hand the cat one treat. Like, that's all she gets. She doesn't get like a handful that you drop on the floor and then leave. She a chunky beast. <laughs> she, she's gotten chunky recently. And I think it may be the stress that we have a new dog in the house as well. Though. Mm. So, um, but she, she's looking, pre- she was looking pretty good, but she is very food motivated. So she trained him 
real quick and it was actually yeah. really funny to watch um just kind of keep in mind who is in charge around yeah here. i was gonna say the dogs have owners cats have servants right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay we have two more we're gonna we're gonna get through this Let's um do it. this one honestly i think it's probably already answered a little bit but supplements like CBD yeah. oil, joint support, uh, probiotic powder. Um, there's a lot of these things out there now. I think that it's kind of like this, like a nutritional topping that mixes up of like spirulina and turmeric and all this kind of stuff that you put on your dog's kibble. If you already have a high quality diet, are mm. those extra supplements needed? Not if your dog doesn't have a health condition that they support. So things like turmeric and spirulina and all those kind of things again cross over from like human food trends oh if they're healthy for people they must be healthy for my pets too and then you see them popping up in treats recipes and in foods mm -hmm. and on the ingredient list because it's marketing yeah it's packaged for humans to buy dogs don't have wallets and don't go to the shop and um, so <laughs> yeah so there's some supplements which are great for dogs that need them so, for example, joint supplements, huge number of them. Some of them are um, clinically proven to work. Some of them the jury is out and there's conflicting evidence on. And some of them have no evidence at all. But people just are extrapolating from human kind of claims and things like this. For digestive disturbances, prebiotics and probiotics. Prebiotics should be in the food um, often. And this is where a quality pet nutrition company will produce products that are designed for an individual dog's needs. So whether it's health conditions or um, life stages and stuff like that, they will include certain ingredients or supplements or nutrients in there in, in increased levels to support certain things. So for example, with Tails.com, in our puppy foods, which I helped design when I joined the company, um, we include prebiotics, um, to help with digestion because puppies are just being weaned and they have sensitive digestion. We include things like um, a high level of an omega-3 fatty acid called DHA, which is provided in the mother's milk normally. But when puppies are weaned, if you feed them high levels of it, it's proven to improve um, cognitive function, socialization outcomes, learning and vision development. So mental and vision development. Um, and then we include things like beta-glucans and nucleotides which are yeast extracts that are proven to stimulate um, good immunity and immune development in, in young animals as well. Things with like joint problems, again, there's loads of supplements that are um, just a waste of money, to be honest, um, because they're not proven. Mm -hmm. um, and you can get diets that are formulated for joint support with good ingredients in as well. If you do that, there's not often an extra need for a supplement as well, because you're just wasting your money because the dog can only use so much of these ingredients at a time. But the one that is clinically proven in, in um, joint disease arthritis in dogs is omega-3 fatty acid. The next two most popular are glucosamine and chondroitin. And there's some evidence that there may be clinical benefits to supplementing those in, um, in dogs with arthritis. But there's some studies to the contrary as well where they didn't find any beneficial effects. So the mm -hmm. jury is out on those two. Um, but they certainly don't cause any harm unless you are massively, massively overdosing. So um, supplements is a good um, topic. It's probably a topic all of its own because there's some good, there's some bad, and there's some absolutely neutral that are probably just wasting your money. That would be me. 
I would just jump on the the train just, of like, just, yeah, yeah. Just buy a high quality diet that's that's hopefully tailored to your dog's needs. And if your dog has a certain health condition, there's a lot of diets that can help with that condition as well. Okay, great, cool. Last question. Oh, Go yeah. for it, Izzy. Last one. Um, which is funny that Kali you put the end bit of this question because I have heard growing up that if your dog eats grass then they've eaten something that they need to throw up but you have written that does eating grass or poo mean your dog has a nutritional deficiency which I've never heard before that was that was what I heard growing up was like Mm. oh your dog's eating grass so they must be missing out on something it's like chlorophyll or like whatever you know they must be missing out on some kind of nutrient and that's why they're seeking it out um, same with eating so poo. Many myths. Exactly. Yeah. Break it down. Bust Sean. them, Sean. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Um, eating grass is a natural behavior of dogs, many dogs in the dog family, but domestic dogs as well. The number one, um, or one of the reasons that they do it is they like the taste of it, especially young growing tips of grass that have um, a high sugar content in spring, lush new green growth on grass can actually taste a little bit sweet. So like the green beans or the carrots that um, certain dogs will like the taste of and the crunch. Some of them just like eating grass. And you will have certain dogs that just do it all the time, regardless of whether they're sick or not. So that's a natural behavior. Again, is a dog a wolf, you know, or is it an omnivore? (laughs) Grass can be a natural part of a dog's diet and they just like to do it. There's the theory of it being because there's a deficiency is quite a common one. And it doesn't really stand up because... Dogs just do it regardless of what they're fed or, or, you know, whether they have a deficiency. One of the interesting theories, and it is a theory, it's not proven, comes from the tendency of certain wild animals to sort of self-medicate or to seek certain minerals or certain nutrients at different times or if they're having health problems, like parasites, for example. So there's sort of a theory of like, are dogs self-medicating at certain times when they're eating grass, if they had a bit of a digestive upset or if they had a worm burden, for example would eating a lot of roughage that isn't very digestible. There's a lot of plant cellulose in there that they can't break down because it's not cooked like the grains that we feed them in their food. Cooking breaks down the plant cell wall and makes it much more digestible. So eating a lot of indigestible fibrous plant material um, that's raw could have a kind of a a voiding effect if they had um, a digestive, you know, bacterial overgrowth or parasitic disease. There's not really any proof for that, but it's kind of just a a nice theory that could be happening sometimes as as an instinctive behavior. And then um, finally, are they doing it to make themselves sick or are they doing it because they feel sick and they just happen to sick it all up afterwards? I think the theory that they're doing it to try and make themselves vomit is just because they were going to vomit anyway and maybe they're trying to settle their stomach by eating grass or they've sort of got an urge to get something in there to, to fill, it, fill them out or to, to kind of settle their stomach. Maybe that's this kind of self-medication theory coming in that it's kind of an instinctive behavior. They vomit anyway, so people put two and two together and think, oh, my dog ate grass so that he could vomit. Well, if he didn't eat grass, would you have known? Like he was going to vomit anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So... So it's the jury is out. We don't really know why they're doing it every time they do it, but it could be for all of those reasons. Um, and it, I think it's most likely if they're ill, they're sort of eating grass to try and ease the symptoms, ease the nausea of being ill, and they just get get sick anyway. 
mm-hmm. um, rather than kind of, oh, I feel really sick and I know what will do it. Eating grass will, will get me to vomit. <laughs> yeah. They're probably going to vomit anyway if they're that ill. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, a, it's an unusual behavior, but some dogs do it more than others. One of my old dogs, I used to eat grass in spring all the time. Yeah. Arthur doesn't really eat a lot of grass, but the other day we went to the school field and they just chopped the grass and he was running. Mm. And as he was running, he was picking up all the freshly mowed grass. And I was like, hi, are you doing that? <laughs> and he came back. He might be, you know, like face. a substance abuser and it was like the petrol chemical fumes yeah. on the grass. And he was just like, yeah, yeah. So it would be, I had to wean him off goose poop and now he's on the grass. There's <laughs> yeah. no stopping him. <laughs> uh, Arthur. That, yeah, Lupin is a constant grass eater. I think it probably is a little bit of the um, the flavor of it. Because I think it mm. he does it more in certain times of the year and yeah. in the sweeter. Um, I, I wonder if it's also a, I mean, this is just yet another, you know, myth and like, who knows, kind of just guess at it. But I wonder if it's also because of his history, he was kind of outdoor hoarding situation. And I wonder if the water like collected on the grass, because it seems like he always wants to eat it more when it's wet. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I wonder if that's how he like got water in him past life or something who knows yeah whatever. potentially but yeah it's just me guessing again the reasons <laughs> for all of his weirdness <laughs> um cool done boom guys we got through every Woo! single question um i'm sure there's a ton that we missed um <laughs> that people are like wait what about this maybe we'll do that eventually a later date yeah, yeah. A later date <laughs> um in the meantime, Sean, if people want to follow you, learn more about you, ask you any questions, plug all your stuff. Where can they find you? Um, so on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at that vet Sean, S-E-A-N, all one word. Um, and uh, I have a vet, veterinary Facebook um, profile as well, which is Sean McCormick, M-V-B. Um, but best kind of in terms of asking questions or, or following what I'm doing is um, Instagram or Twitter. Okay. And you have a podcast. I do have a podcast. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I have a podcast um, about wildlife and conservation and sustainability and the environment called Sean's Wildlife Ramblings in Nature. And it's uh, no ramblings at the moment. So it's all done remotely like this now because of lockdown. But um, <laughs> we'll get out for rambles and chats again soon hopefully eventually i love that sounds so soothing i'm gonna listen to that sean's wildlife i was really hoping it'd be like you in the club or something like Sean's oh yeah the, wildlife. those episodes are coming once lockdown is off yeah, yeah. <laughs> um also i was having have... a little i was having a little dance on my own last night Saturday <laughs> night, lockdown disco in my living, my living room yeah i'm not even lying <laughs> we've all been doing it yeah i know it um also you have a cookbook it, yeah. I know. I don't know if you're really advertising it now since it came out a, a while ago, but I have it and I'm excited because Good. I'm going to be, I have it here with me. It's on my desk. There it is. I have it here in my kitchen as well yes. with all my other cookbooks. So <laughs> if anyone out. wants to try, maybe we'll share it, Izzy. Um, if anyone <laughs> wants to try that as well, I'll put a link in the show notes and it's called the Happy Dog Cookbook and Sean and Annabelle Carmel created it together right yeah it is it's it is a great um gift for dog owners and it's for a good cause as well so it's definitely still something that we're promoting even though it came out a while ago it's a lot of nutrition um advice and and chat in there as well as a selection of kind of healthy nutritious recipes that you can make at home for your dog and you can eat them yourself too 
Um, but they don't have some of the things in that we enjoy that are not good for dogs like butter and sugar and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's for um, all of the proceeds of the book go to a charity called Street Vet, who provide free, accessible veterinary care for, for homeless people and their pets in the UK. Um, really, really deserving cause. And it's available on Amazon. So you can just hop along there and buy it. And as I say, good gift for, for any dog owners in your life. Perfect. Happy dog cookbook. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I've tried out like two of the recipes. I want to do more though, because I was a little limited without Lubin's allergies. So now I'm going to do more with Albie. Yeah. He doesn't have any allergies that we know of yet. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's definitely a good cause. Good one. I think that's everything. Great. Well, thank you for having me on. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This is probably like one of my favorite episodes so far. It was so informative. I love it. I always like the educational ones. Carly is different to me. (laughs) I'm over here like, let's get the influencers. (laughs) Carly wants to flush. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, this was good. Well, you're both, Sean, so it's perfect. You were like so fun and then also provided the really good information for the listeners. <laughs> Break it down to the gritty content. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Causing a load of people to like unsubscribe from your podcast if they're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> we did, we did it early. Them, so yeah. <laughs> this is why yeah. we did it Do- early. Don't shout at us. Shout at at that vet, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) We'll say that. Um, Well, Sean, thank you so much for this. As you said, super useful. I'm confident that this is going to be really, really helpful to a lot of our listeners. Good. Thank you for having me on. I always love uh, chatting about it and busting the odd myth or two. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you so much. And I hope you have a good bank holiday. Thanks, Emil. It's definitely wine o'clock here, my side of the world. So um, I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, cheers then. Thanks a lot. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. All content on With A Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer or behaviorist. 